Hi, welcome back to Litcentric Radio, the podcast that's a literacy coach in your pocket. I'm your host, Dr. Julie Webb. Yep, you heard that right. It's now doctor. <laughs> I'm really excited. In the month of October, I finished my doctoral program and I defended my dissertation. And now I can officially call myself doctor. Not that kind of doctor, right? Don't tell me to diagnose your cold symptoms. <laughs> nope, I'm a doctor of education. So I'm very excited about that. And speaking of doctors, as you can probably tell, I sound a little bit nasally, all stuffed up in my nose. I have had the weirdest cold slash flu, whatever this is. It's just hanging on and on and on. And I waited as long as I could to record the podcast just so I would sound a little bit better. But I know I still sound funny. So my apologies there. Um, hopefully we can get past the uh, kind of the nasal sound in my voice and you can still uh, get some value out of today's lesson. So for this week, we're actually doing our first bonus episode. And I'm doing some bonus episodes this week and next week as I'm getting ready to launch season three of Litcentric Radio. So in season three, we'll have uh, 12 new episodes, all different books. We do fiction and nonfiction, as you know. And uh, in our bonus episodes, what I'd like to do uh, is feature um, some of our most popular downloads. So um, as the podcast host, I get to see uh, which episodes people uh, like the most and which ones they download the most and the lessons they're using. And so uh, today we are going to focus on our first bonus episode of Enemy Pie. Now, if you don't know this book, you definitely need to know this book. And uh, if you haven't listened to the episode that I did on Enemy Pie, it's episode number 13, and you're definitely going to want to listen to that episode, um, especially if you don't know the book, because I do share the book in that episode and give you a sense of what it's about. Um, but even if you have uh, listened to episode 13, you might want to revisit that again, you know, just because you can get a sense of the lesson that we talked about. We were... Um, in that lesson, we were making some predictions and doing some uh, creative writing and experimenting with sentence fluency and uh, doing that to write some very gross enemy pie kind of uh, recipe slash poem sort of things. And it's a lesson I love to do at the beginning of the school year or any time that I'm working with a group of students who kind of needs a little jump start in their writing uh, because maybe their writing's feeling a little tedious or maybe they're unsure or they lack some confidence. Uh, the enemy pie lesson that I do in episode 13 is a great one to get kids um, kind of excited about writing again or maybe excited about writing for the first time. And it's a very quick win for teachers and students, and it gets kids writing um, some really fun poems that you can all read together. And it's just uh, it's one of those lessons that everybody loves and everybody's successful, which is good news for us, right? So we're going to revisit enemy pie in this episode but I'm gonna to talk to you today about the text-dependent questions that go along um, with Enemy Pie that I share in episode 13. And we're gonna go in depth on those. And also I'm gonna give you uh, a resource and some ideas for you to think about to help you write better text-dependent questions for any book that you're gonna be reading with students. Before we get to that, last week I mentioned that if you sign up to be a Litcentric Insider, that you are gonna get the Enemy Pie lesson that I created for free. So that's going out today, and uh, if you didn't get a chance to sign up yet, you still have an opportunity because next week we're doing another bonus episode, and I will be revealing uh, that episode soon, um, or the topic for that episode soon, 
and I will be releasing the lesson for free that goes along with that. So to take advantage of that, you're going to need to go to litcentric.com and scroll about halfway down on the homepage, and there's a big button there to join my email list. It says, Become a Litcentric Insider. So if you click on that and enter in your email, um, I will send you, you know, usually just about once a week, sometimes a little bit more. It just depends on if there's something kind of extra exciting coming down the line. But um, in there, I just share quick ideas, some resources for you. I let you know when a new episode has dropped, if I have any freebies coming out. Lycentric Insiders always get those first. Um, and also, I even give out some coupon codes once in a while for some of my products in my store, including some of the curriculum that I develop and the new uh, course that I have that I'll talk about in just a moment. So if you click on there on the homepage of litcentric.com, add in your email. Um, I promise I won't smother your inbox with a bunch of junky emails. I really, really hate that. I would never do that. So um, hopefully you'll get some benefit out of some of the things that I share in there. And if you're an insider, like I said, you're going to get next week's lesson for free. So it's a win-win. Now, the other thing I'm super excited about, it's been a very busy month in our house in October and not a good time to get sick, right? That's always seems like how it goes. But the other thing I'm super excited about is I finally finished my first online course that I'm releasing um, this week. I actually opened it up yesterday um, and let my um, insiders know, the folks who were interested in learning more about the course, they get first dibs and a special coupon code actually. Uh, to enter in the course, but I've designed a running record boot camp. Now, I'm very excited about this course because I've taken everything I know about when I was a classroom teacher, a reading specialist, literacy coach, and now as a consultant when I work with schools and districts and teachers around the country uh, in the United States, hopefully internationally. Hey, if you're listening somewhere else, bring me on over. I'd love to see you, um, but I've taken everything I know, the best of what I know, and taken um, some of the materials that I often do in live trainings and translated them into an online course experience. Now, one of the reasons I wanted to do this, first of all, this is the course and the information I always wish I'd had when I was first starting with running records. Uh, gosh, especially when I was a new teacher. Back in the day, we were just, you know, we attended some half-day district training that was just super inadequate, right? And just kind of who knows where they got their information from or how qualified the, the presenter was. And then it was just like, well, go back and go do them. And it was, I was super overwhelmed. And of course I was overwhelmed with everything because, you know, I was a first year teacher. That's just kind of how it goes. Everything's so new and you don't have a lot of context for it. And I just had to just get started and figure out, you know, step-by-step, step, how am I going to get good at, at these codes and what do they mean? And how am I sure that I'm scoring this correctly? And um, and then much less, you know, am I analyzing this effectively? Because all that big time investment on administering those and scoring those, if we're not analyzing them well, then we are not getting the most out of our running records, are we? So I designed this course uh, to really help alleviate that. And one of the reasons I also wanted to take this online is because um, I'm really fortunate that schools and districts will hire me to come work with their staff. And I absolutely love doing that. I love working with teachers. I actually love working with the administrative staff as well, especially when we're talking about things like, you know, reading assessments, right? Like how can we make sure that we're doing them in a standardized way and that it really helps build a common language among professionals and that we really start having, you know, better professional conversations around what students know and what they can do. 
And the best part when I get to work with schools is that I often get to teach a group of students in front of the teachers, so like a live demonstration. I'm actually going to be doing that later this week. I'm really excited about that. But the problem is with that, even though as wonderful as that is, I can't get to every single school, right? And I know there's individual teachers out there or even grade level teams out there, even districts out there who maybe can't afford to have me come in or it's just not something that they can take on right now because school districts take on a lot of new initiatives every year, don't they, as we know? And sometimes there's just, you know, that one teacher out there who really needs the additional support and where is she going to turn to for that help? Right? She may not have colleagues who have expertise in this area, or maybe she's trying something new and she's piloting something and she's the first one who's going to try it out in her school. Right? She needs somewhere to go. Just picking up you know, a few books and watching some things on YouTube is not going to get you where you need to go with running records. I wish it, I wish it did, but if it did, I wouldn't have a job. So, <laughs> so anyways, running record boot camp. I'm really excited about it. We're gonna go in depth into how best to administer running records so you can save time and your sanity, right? Because we know it's a big investment. I'm gonna teach you how to score them properly um, and definitely talk about how do we analyze them. And I'm gonna do that through demonstrations with actual student. Um, you're gonna watch me actually code. You're gonna watch me analyze different pieces. And I'm going to show you how to bring all that together to influence the instructional moves and decisions that you make to better match the needs of your students so that you can be the responsive teacher you want to be. I also, in that group, the participants who sign up and, and take the online course, I think we've got something like 25 different videos in there. It's a six-unit course, you guys. It goes very, very in-depth. This isn't one of those quickie, you know, watch a webinar and listen to the sales pitch at the end kind of thing. This is for people who really want to go deep and maybe you're new to running records or you think you're, maybe you're not getting the most out of them, right? Maybe there's some fine tuning that you could be doing in certain areas and you don't really know how to do that. This course is perfect for you. But in this course, participants actually get to join my private Facebook group where we're going to be talking um, specifically about running records in that course. I'll provide additional coaching and materials in there and answer any questions that come up for you. Because I know, again, just taking something online, it's not really much better than just reading a book. You're still going to have questions. And running records are definitely rely on teacher judgment and expertise. And so we always get you know into tricky situations with things like that. There are clear-cut um, you know, things to do sometimes when kids present in ways that we don't expect. So that coaching piece is going to be really important for us to build that community together and answer one another's questions. And I can't wait to get started with that. So if you think that you could be getting more out of your running records, I hope that you'll check it out. All right, once again, let's get into Enemy Pie. Now, I'm not going to read the book um, in this episode because, like I said in episode 13, we already do that there. So if you want to listen in, um, you can tune in to episode 13. But today I want to share with you the specific text-dependent questions that I like to use with this book. And then I want to talk about how um, some actually some ways that you can ask questions or even teach yourself and your students to ask themselves questions uh, that will help you improve reading and actually and help you um, improve the text-dependent questions that you write, um, you know, for books that you're going to use with your kiddos. So for the text-dependent questions from this book, um, the first thing I like to ask students is what is an enemy, <laughs> right? Because an enemy is not something that all of our students are going to be familiar with. They definitely know 
um, you know, that there's bad guys out there or they know maybe they don't get along with other people, but the word enemy is pretty specific and it's a pretty strong word. And so some of my students didn't necessarily know what that was. Um, and so in Litcentric lessons, uh, like this one that I'm looking at, uh, I have the text-dependent question, questions written here as well as suggested answers when that's appropriate. Sometimes the answers just vary and that's okay. Um, but I have those typed up and um, you can print them directly onto sticky notes. And what prints on there is the big question, the tiny answer that kind of only the teacher can see just to help you, you know, reference that. And it also has the page numbers on where it's appropriate to ask this particular question because you know, we can't just always ask every question at the end of the book, right? Sometimes we want to do it throughout our read aloud. So um, if you print these on sticky notes, you can easily stick them in the book wherever you need to. And that's going to make your read aloud go more smoothly. And you're going to have the questions and answers right there when you need them. Um, and you can choose to use certain ones and avoid other ones depending on your lesson, right? You don't have to ask every single question every time. So we start with what's an enemy. And I just say that it's, it's someone who hates another person or tries to hurt them. I mean, an enemy is a very strong word. It's not just, you know, someone who you dislike. An enemy is, is much stronger than that. And so I actually do use the word hate. Sometimes that's, you know, kind of a tricky territory, especially in primary classrooms, but I want kids to understand the gravity of that word. Um, another question I like to ask is, why was the main character so negative toward Jeremy Ross? So remember he says Jeremy Ross is his number one enemy and he's his only enemy. So why, why is that the case? I mean, that's a pretty strong you know, position to take on this new kid who just moved in. He doesn't really know him, right? So why does he feel so strongly? I believe Jeremy laughed at him. And also uh, when Jeremy had a party or something at his house, he, um, his best friend was invited and he wasn't, so he felt left out. So he's got a couple of reasons there to feel a little bit um, negative towards Jeremy, but Calling him his enemy is pretty extreme, so it's kind of something interesting to talk about with kids. Another question I like to ask is, why was the recipe on an old scrap of paper and not in the recipe book? So if you remember, his dad says, well, I've got the perfect you know, solution to your enemy. We can get rid of him with enemy pie. And so the boy's like, wow, that sounds amazing. And so dad goes to get the recipe for enemy pie, and it's not in one of his many recipe books. It's on this really old kind of crinkled up scrap of paper. So I don't have specific answers for that. Um, I just say answers will vary because I really want to see what the kids think. Um, I know something that I think is that later we find out enemy pie has nothing to do with um, really enemies. It's just a delicious pie, right, that you can share and maybe... Um, especially when, you know, you're developing a new friendship. So maybe it's on a scrap of paper because it's an old family recipe and it's not from, you know, a published book. Or maybe it's a recipe that um, maybe his grandma or grandpa had written, you know, years ago and made enemy pie with his dad. And now his dad is passing it on to his son. Maybe it's special like that. So there's different reasons and, and different thoughts kids might have about that. And I don't put a specific answer because we don't really know. And I want them thinking creatively. I'm sure there's probably three or four reasons I've never even thought about. Um, and some kids will come up with it and it'll be great. Um, the fourth question I like to ask is, why did the dad keep the enemy pie recipe a secret? So he doesn't reveal the recipe to his son. The son knows it exists because he saw the scrap of paper. 
but and he sees some of the ingredients on the table, but he doesn't actually see, you know, exactly what the recipe says and how it works. And that's what he's wondering about. So the answers will vary on this one again. Why did he keep it a secret? But this is a question you could ask in the moment, like, oh, dad's keeping it a secret. He doesn't answer his questions about it. Why do you think that is? I think you could also ask this question at the end of the story, at the conclusion. So why did the dad keep that a secret from him? Well, one of the reasons is he doesn't want him to realize that he's probably going to be friends with this kid and you don't want to give your new friend a yucky pie, right? So um, this question can be asked more than once and it's probably going to generate different answers depending on when you ask it. We've got two more questions here. Another one is, what could the main character's job be? So once the dad actually um, bakes the pie, um, it's and it looks great, it smells great, he says um, the dad fills him in on his job. So um, the answers will uh, vary, again, at this point, um, because often this is where I'm stopping on this page. It's page 12 in the book. This is where I stop and have kids come up with what they think is in the enemy pie, and we do the lesson from episode 13. Uh, but here, um, in this case, since we're just reading through, the main character's job they reveal on the next page. And the dad says that um, just eating the enemy pie isn't enough, that um, it, in order for it to work, he has to spend the entire day with his enemy, Jeremy Ross. And of course, that's part of the dad's plan, right? He realizes there's probably nothing wrong with this kid. He doesn't need to dislike him for any reason. And if he plays with him, he'll probably realize he's fun and he's you know can have a new friend. But we don't necessarily know that at this point in the story. So the kids' answers will vary. What could the job be? And we're just making a small prediction. And then as we turn the page, uh, it's revealed that dad wants him to play or spend the entire day with him. And then at the very um, end here, our last question for this text is, what did the dad know that the main character didn't know? Um, and I keep referring him um, as the main character because he doesn't have a name in the book. He's just, he's telling it from first person. So I just refer to him as main character. But the dad knows something that this character doesn't understand. And this is something that, a question we definitely want to ask at the conclusion of the text. But what he knew was that it was just kind of all a misunderstanding. And that once they got to know each other, they'd probably want to be friends. And then enter the enemy pie that tastes delicious, right? So now you have a fun thing to enjoy with your new friend. So these, um, these are examples of text-dependent questions that I write for every single text that I share on Lecentric Radio, and they're the questions that I use in class with students. And I purposely designed them to go on those 3 by 3 sticky notes because I know it's extremely helpful just to print and have them ready to go in your book. A lot of times you only have to print them once because you can just stick them in the book and leave them in the book, even for the next time you read it with kids, right? It's pretty easy to do. Um, and that way you don't have to handwrite them on your own and you can just pick and choose the ones you'd like to use. But even though I give you text-dependent questions if you purchase those uh, that Litcentric Growing Bundle, what you also need to know is how to generate good text-dependent questions on your own um, in order for you to share books that aren't on Litcentric Radio, right? So I actually have um, a small article that I wrote for... Um, my friend's publishing company, and I reposted it on letcentric.com. It's under the read tab, and if you click on the read tab, it gives you different categories of articles you can read about, and the category that this belongs in is the reading category. So if you go to letcentric.com, the read tab, then click on reading. One of the articles is called Three-Step Comprehension Guide to Reading Like a Writer. 
So there are three questions that um, actually just kind of question words or question starters that can help frame a little bit about what we're thinking about a text. And that can help us not only improve our reading comprehension in general, but as a teacher, if you're using these three steps to help you write questions, it can actually help you craft better ones. So the three questions are what, how, and why. And those are pretty generic, I know, but I'll explain kind of how those go together. And if you, if you read the three-step comprehension guide, it'll be a little bit clearer for you there too. Uh, but the first question I often ask is what? So this is an opportunity to think about what is the content of the text that I'm reading? So this is an opportunity for me to notice the information in the book and to make connections actually with, with that content. So the what questions I might ask myself are, what does the text say and what does it make me think about? So that gets me connected to the actual content and considering that. The other what question is, what does the author want me to know? And this is something that um, when I was a reading specialist in particular and working with our most struggling students, I was working with students pre-K all the way through sixth grade in our school. So it was a really big span you know, of grade levels. And I noticed patterns across those grade levels that were really interesting. And one of them was that our students were not acknowledging or used to acknowledging that there was a particular author who made particular decisions in writing the text that they were reading. They often just assumed, oh, well, it's written down. Yes, somebody wrote it, but it's perfect because it's been published, right? They have this kind of strange sense of it. And I had to talk with them an awful lot about, you know, authors aren't perfect and they make, um, you know, specific decisions and they have an agenda, you know, and they have a purpose behind what they're doing. And sometimes um, they leave certain things out, right? And sometimes they add certain things in and why do they do that? And it doesn't mean um, that the information they left out isn't valid, but it does mean, it does have implications for the reader, doesn't it? So a lot of times uh, when I would say, well, what does the text say? Or we talk about the text all the time. I realize I need to start also asking about the writer themselves. What is the writer actually communicating here? What does the author really want me to know? What does the illustrator um, think is important, um, you know, based on this illustration that you see? because I want to bring that human element into it and make them realize that those people make decisions about what's included and what's left out. The second question that I ask in the three-step guide is the how question. So how did the author craft this text? I want my students having kind of this meta view of the text they read, not just digging into the content, but pulling back and understanding at kind of a more advanced level how a text actually works. They need to understand something about and the genre of the text, and also um, how different tools and techniques will influence what we think about what the author is saying. And the author has to make decisions about what tools and techniques to use, and that's called author's craft, right? So how does author's craft actually work and how does it influence um, what I understand? So the two how questions that I'll ask, and they kind of have a couple of parts to them. The first one is, how is this text put together and how does this impact my understanding? because how it actually works is definitely going to influence what I understand and how, how well I understand it. The second how question is, how did the author communicate their message and was it effective? So we go from just you know analyzing how this works into critiquing, was this the most effective way that this information could be presented? And that's definitely gonna depend on the audience it's designed for. So that's something for kids to think about and to talk about. 
The final question in the three-step guide is the why question. So why did the author write the text? So here we're getting into the author's purpose and um, getting into deeper meaning behind kind of the words and the language and the content, and students are having to infer quite a bit. So the two questions I like to ask for why are, why does this text matter? And why should I care? <laughs> sometimes um, we have to acknowledge with kids that sometimes, especially in school or even at work, we have to read things that maybe are, you know, we're not super interested in or something we're really not looking forward to reading. But there's a reason behind why the teacher's asking us to read this, or there's a reason behind, you know, why our boss thinks all employees should understand this information. So what is it about that text that matters? What is it about, you know, the content, the message? Um, what is it that I really need to draw away from this? Why should I actually care and put my energy into this piece? That's something uh, we do have to consider with our kids. And sometimes the answer is, because it's on a state test and I need you to try your best to show what you know. And other times it's because, oh, this is my absolute favorite topic and I can't wait to dive in. There's lots of different reasons why we read things and not everything. We don't always read just for pleasure, right? And, and I hope that our students do read for pleasure, but sometimes we read things for other reasons. We, we don't read a stop sign for pleasure, right? <laughs> we, we have different kind of functions for why we go about uh, reading what we do. And I want students to understand that and I want them to understand that the context in which a piece is written really influences our comprehension of it. So an author, you know, they write a piece in a particular place and time and a reader reads it in a different place and time. And so there's different kind of kind of lost in translation issues going on there. And so if we can dig deeper into the why behind it and understand that context a little bit better, that will certainly help students uh, with their comprehension and it can help you to craft better text-dependent questions. So I hope you'll take a look at that three-step comprehension guide to reading like a writer. Like I said, it's under the reading button in the read tab and it's there for you to refer to later on. All right, so this concludes our bonus episode, our very first one. I'm hoping in the future that our bonus episodes will kind of be a variety of different things. I have a few things up my sleeve that I'm looking forward to sharing with you. Don't forget to sign up for my email list and become a LitCentric Insider. LitCentric.com on the homepage, about halfway down, you'll see the button there and the opportunity to do that. And do it before next week because I'll be doing another bonus episode before season three starts. And Litcentric Insiders are going to get that lesson for free. We'll see you next time. Have a great day at school.